0: Blog Talk Radio Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guest hosts or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.
1: This is T.J. Morris, also known as Teresa J. Morris, on T.J. Morris ET Radio. Welcome aboard all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. Hope you can hear me. I am doing this remote today. And uh, as usual, we're going to talk about UFOs today with Jan Aldrich, one of the oldest ufologists, uh, along with uh, his uh, colleagues and uh, people that in the past we have uh, crossed paths with or have worked with. And I'm going to dial him now and uh, see if I can get Jan Aldrich on the line. Uh, we've been doing oral reports, and this is book two. And Jan I w-
0: or Susan Aldrich. Uh-oh.
1: Can't take your call now. Okay. At the tone, please record your message. When you have finished recording, simply hang up or press pound for further options. You said he was going to switch to the other phone. Hi, Jan. Um, this number is 347-945-7207. I had just called you on this phone number, so I'll try to call you. Let's see. Do I have another phone number? Let me look. I'll try to call you back. Okay. Bye. Well, uh, I just talked to him. Not Jan Harzan, Jan Aldrich, but let's see. That's the number I called. Let me try one more time, folks. And uh, I know he said he was going to say eight. That was him, right? This is embarrassing, especially being on live radio, (laughs) which goes out to all my friends and various uh, great places, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, the S's. And uh, iHeartRadio, but we like to come here every week. And sorry, last week I had to go to the doctor, and I missed. I thought Tommy Oxblood was going to cover it. But uh, I'm not sure what happened in Hawaii and Janet Care Let's try one more time. Hello? Hi. Was this the wrong phone number, Jan? No,
0: no, no, no. It's the right phone number. And I tried to talk to you, but uh, we. I guess you couldn't hear me.
1: No, it went to the When you uh, called the me the
0: first time, I was I was on the uh, phone.
1: Right. So the second time, uh it went to voicemail.
0: But we Yeah, together it went now. to Yeah, but no, I was already on the phone. It just I, I can't tell you what happened.
1: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. You didn't want yeah. I had to click off to call you back. Oh, okay. Well, probably that's what I don't do know. Yourself.
0: I I have no idea.
1: Okay, but you can hear me fine? Yeah, uh, I got you you now. Okay, I'm doing you remote today, so I didn't know if you... Is there a lot of uh, confusion? But I apologize. It's uh, January 21st, Tuesday, and this is our regular scheduled time. And I know we've been working together since, uh, well, at least last year, but uh, maybe it was 2018. I I don't know that we ever established that, but anyway, 2020... I think
0: it was in the summertime. Summertime,
1: year. summertime. All right. Yeah. Well, uh, where would you like to get started? Because I'm sort of lost today, and uh, we can do UFO Association. But today I've I set up uh, UFOs as usual, Jan Aldrich and Teresa J. Morris reporters. So I'd like to do this uh, a little differently today. I know that we told people we'd be doing some Indian uh Radio shows with uh, Tommy Hawk's blood and the history of Geronimo and things here in Pensacola and over there, but we can touch on that. We have in the past, but today I've got that we are doing our best to form this UFO association. We both have prior government experience and learned to investigate, report, and archive. And I've had some people referring me from the university here in Florida to some interns that want to learn how to do. Uh, live radio and oral reports, but uh, I told them they could join us in either, well, they're not professionals yet. So we have to set up a hobby association, Jan. And I thought uh, today would be a good time for them to listen. It's a a nonprofit uh, radio station in Florida that's listening and at a university, a school to learn how we build Various associations and hobbies In the radio industry They're more interested in the radio Aspects of getting started As interns So uh, I didn't prepare you For this but uh, this Is going to be more of a class on how We can bring people together And do oral reports You just happen to have a topic of UFOs I don't think they care about uh, But I was telling them they need to have Get together and form Some topics because uh, they're in their early 20s, right? And they don't have a lot of uh, like over 50 writer book report or write a book or even an article yet. So we're going to be working with people that are, uh, you know, hobby in our hobby association because we're not being paid to do this. So how can how can we educate our people? coming up that don't know much about UFOs or how to start an association, or let's go back and share the history of how we all got into this business of uh, clipping and investigating and reporting and archiving because uh, they're not going to know about all these alphabets we use like uh, uh, M-U-F-O-N or Excuse me Uh, They're not going to know about CUFOs or CUFO And we've got uh, Websites I've got several and you've got several But uh, let's just get started So why don't you introduce yourself And tell people About your background, Jan
0: Well, I'm uh, I'm Jan Aldrich I've uh, I've been in the I was in the Army for 25 years Um uh about 16 of that was uh meteorology then I did uh intelligence and security and uh then I did a uh, little personnel work as a as a uh, an assistant adjutant which for enlisted person that I am or an NCO uh, is unusual for uh uh, for that rank to hold, uh, the, uh, um, such a position. It's usually an officer, and he's authorized to sign for the commander, and, uh, I was in a, in a unit that was commanded by a full colonel, so, um, that's rather unusual right there, uh, and a lot of the things I did in the army are kind of uh unusual. So uh uh then I then I did safety and I was on a uh two-star general staff as the safety man. Now I'm not trained in safety, but uh we didn't have a, a professional safety manager who uh is supplied by the uh... by the army a civilian we and we were not going to get one for about a year so i i held that position Um another unusual thing um, and when you when you get into those positions you just have to do a lot of research and find out what the job entails so that's uh... after the army i worked for the post office for about uh... twenty five years and now I'm retired <clears throat> from junior high school, which was, uh, somewhere around 56 or so till the present day. I've been interested in UFOs or aerial phenomena started off with, uh, seeing, a, a uh, ball lightning or a Kugelblitz as the Germans call it, um when I was in junior high school, and because of that, I got researching about ball lightning and found out that at the time, most scientists didn't think it existed. Uh, Now they do. Um, So by researching that, I got somewhat interested in UFOs. There's somewhat of a parallel. Um, Since the both phenomena are um somewhat short duration um have very few uh reliable photographs um there seems to be a parallel there and that's kind of how I got interested in UFOs so I've been interested in UFOs for for uh Oh, almost, uh, over 50 years, let's put it that way. Now, uh, uh, when I retired, I started uh, Project 1947, which was a volunteer, well, a volunteer effort to uh, collect, go back into the history of UFOs and find out from various records or interviewing people about UFOs, especially from the early UFO era that started in 1947. Uh, UFOs didn't start in 1947, but uh, a lot of publicity about it did. I mean, it goes back to the Second World War and even back to the turn of the century and even before that. Um, So, Uh. working on on the history uh, uh, project 47, which is what what we formed, uh, we, I got a small grant so I could travel around the country and go to various libraries, uh, historical societies, universities, um, other types of uh, archives, and research it, research the uh, documents, including government documents at the National Archives, the Air Force research uh, agency in at Maxwell Air Force the Army um, history Institute at um, um, at the at, in Pennsylvania at the Carlisle barracks and uh, other other uh, places uh, uh, other, UFO organizations and p- individuals who've been investigating this subject. I tried to keep a serious um, uh, approach to the subject, uh, and I've tried not to speculate too much. This is this is not my uh, my forte. Is trying to say what do you believe they are? I don't care. I. Um, uh, y- UFOs may be may not even exist, but the people that studied them, wrote about them, and investigated them do exist. So as far as history, we could talk about, you know, Donald E. Keough was head of NICAP, a UFO organization with over 10,000 people at one time, or the Air Force. I mean, the Air Force definitely exists, so um, that's, that's my... Uh, my uh goal is to uh, get some kind of a uh idea of uh, how the government and other people interacted with the uh, with the phenomena we have a uh, a short time ago we published a uh uh scholarly text uh UFOs and government and uh it's in a number of universities now it was it was recommended for university libraries by the uh association that uh actually recommends um, books that that should be in in university collections um the organization's called choice and the uh uh, the section on s- social and behavior scientist uh histories and geographic and area studies uh, uh recommended this um, item for uh for university libraries so it's it's in a number of you know Yale, Harvard, overseas, and universities uh, in Europe, and a uh, number of places in the United States. Um, and it's a rather really long tome, and we actually cite a lot of government documents in there. Uh, other than that, I'm also interested in the actual phenomena. So we, uh, unfortunately. These things don't come to a laboratory or uh, hang out where you can take pictures of them. It's, all, it's usually by chance. So we have uh, uh, the main way we, we get uh, information is by interviewing witnesses. So I've interviewed uh, uh, hundreds of witnesses on this. Um, we've also done what's called the oral history. Uh, people that have been involved in the phenomena one way or another, as witnesses, as investigators, as um, uh, government uh, uh, policy makers. We've uh, interviewed, uh, uh, well, I haven't, but uh, I've helped in interviews of almost 50 people. Um, The main... The main person that does uh, the interviews is Tom Tuline, and he has done over 200 interviews. Um, We have. uh, There's also, of course, the universities are now doing a lot of oral history interviews, and surprisingly enough, every once in a while, these things appear in a university um, oral history where the people recount their lives and any interesting incidents they have and sometimes their interesting incidents are UFOs um, several general general officers have uh have uh, inter- interviewed for for uh, um, Texas uh Texas uh tech U. uh uh, in, in, uh, in, uh, West Texas there. And there's a, there's a, there's a fairly big library, which archives, which has, uh, um, a pretty impressive, uh, uh, collection of UFOs. So does, uh, Rice University in Texas, um, the university of new mexico is setting up their own um archives on on ufo so it is receiving some uh, serious attention now from academics um, we're uh, uh, my uh, one of the things I'm doing right now is trying to scan uh, multiple files of people that have uh, either passed away or turned their files over to me and we're trying to uh, reproduce these digitally which is a a real pain in the neck because nothing is uniform some people use uh, uh, data data sheets that are different sizes or little pieces of paper and things like that and then of course what we have is One of the main sources is newspapers, and doing research in newspapers uh, back in 1947 when there were 11,000 newspapers in North America, Um, we've screened a number of newspapers, uh, which I had to do by going to individual states and going to the historical society, but now you can do it online. Uh, for those that are online, but there's still many that aren't online. So you have to go and um, visit places and dig these things out. I'm I'm planning to go to Yale later on this year, and uh, they have a large collection of South African newspapers, which I uh, I have to uh, scan by looking at each each uh, day's newspaper and reading through there. Um, Also, after you get things uh, more or less, uh, um, you you get your uh, interviews or newspaper clippings or journal articles, uh, try to put some of these in some kind of order and look for uh, repeating patterns. Um, Right now, one of the things I'm looking for right in front of me is uh, electromagnetic interference from these things and, uh... in the uh, one of the ufo uh... uh... publications that's fairly good called the ufo evidence uh... edited by richard hall uh, back in sixty four uh... he had uh... slightly over a hundred uh, accounts of these uh, electromagnetic interferences with radios and actually stopping vehicles, some doing something to make the vehicles stop, which we still are sort of puzzled by um and he had a hundred of these things well i I've just updated his um, catalog and just for. For the time frame of his catalog, which stopped in '63, I've already got 200. So, I managed to double that. And it's mostly from, like I say, interviews, um, newspaper clippings, uh, reports from the Air Force Project Blue Book, and other sources. So that's kind of an overview of what I've, I've been doing since uh, since I've retired from the military.
1: Okay, I was on mute. Well, we've got people that do know that they're professionals and get paid to investigate, and then we have paid journalists, investigative reporters and journalists such as uh, Linda Moulton Howe, and uh, we're got various groups that have annual events and uh, jan would like to have somehow annually our own professional and hobby association in the ufo businesses meet annually but i can't really decide on one event because it seems to be each annual event has uh, like international ufo congress or Bob Brown's been in the business over 25 years promoting this, and his partner was Steve, uh, Wendell Stevens. Are you familiar with Wendell Stevens? Can you Yes, tell I us, am. Can you tell us about him and anything about all these events where people gather and uh, how you watched them grow since uh, you got out of the Army or started uh, working? Maybe we should start at Cupos or give people a little history of uh groups and how ours is starting in 2020 but we're going to try to combine all the good that you've learned on how to do it in 2020 so these uh kids in the university that are listening to us i want to join our hobby association they may have time to go and do collect stuff and that's we're we're under education but uh, let's start with associations and how they started doing their events because I'd like to meet you and have one annually uh, somewhere, but it's been suggested we meet uh, where we can both meet in a, where there's an international airport. But we've got, you know, Hawaii wants to meet with us, and then here we are in Pensacola, Florida area where all the uh, blue angels and all the Navy people And then uh, we've got the body, mind, health people that would like to meet with us because uh, they're trying to pull in, you know, uh, integrative medicine and how it affects the psyche, whether you, like you said, whether you believe they exist or not, it's still part of our psyche. So this is a large, daunting task, Jan. But you've been doing it for so many years. You can see that they definitely need categories and topics and separate aisles. At an event, so you want to help us get started? I know you can do a better annual event for both professional and hobbyists.
0: Well, there are there are plenty of uh, um, so-called conferences. Uh, usually, they have some. These usually these people are are doing this though to to put bread on their table. Um uh, everything that I have done when I when I get any money, I put it right back into research and stuff. So this is not a uh, a paid uh, position that I'm in. Um, uh, so uh, I have, I've I've had grants from uh, from individuals and uh, foundations to uh, to go ahead and uh, take care of, go ahead and cover the work that I do. But I do not. uh, I I don't do this for money. Now we have a lot of professional people here, or. I want to say we have a lot of suspect people here who do this for money and uh they uh they attend conferences all over the uh, country uh all year and it's a source of income to them uh, uh, I I do this for for um, because I the curiosity I have about the uh the history and also the phenomenon so <clears throat> my uh my my thing is a little different from some of these conferences they have where they're trying to uh most of those people are trying to make a living out of out of this which is problematic because uh, a lot of people will exploit this subject uh um it's one that appears to be uh um a target of various jokesters, hoaxers um and people that think that's this is a money generating type of uh activity. Uh, uh so I would be at odds with those kind of people. Um continue to uh just try to find new things that uh, are in the record or uh, run down people that have been in the subject and actually uh uh ask them about their uh, experiences uh move on conference has uh MUFON has a conference uh every year, uh they and it rotates around the country. Uh we did have a UFO history workshop in uh, Chicago and like you say, being near an international airport, uh we got the the head of the French UFO project, Jean Jacques uh Valesco, he came in and talked to us. Um he investi He he investigates uh, UFOs for the uh, French Space Agency, or he did at the time. Uh, we uh, we got some guy. We got some people from Italy that came in because they were going somewhere else in the United States, and Chicago is a good place to stop off. So that that's what they did. They and they came to our conference. So. Uh, Uh, yeah, being close to an international airport is helpful.
1: Well, would you say that our UFO association, can we help? Uh, We've got a new group I've started on Facebook called Space Travel Advocates because I live in the south and my husband worked at NASA and my children grew up with their grandfather working for Grumman and uh, their other grandfather, TVA authority, and then their father working at NASA. And then my next husband, Thomas R. Morris, working for the U.S. Army like you did, out of country. And I worked for the Navy and out of country, and we did intelligence work. But bringing it together, we were never allowed to mention UFOs, although we worked in the field. But it's interesting. It's uh I think you and I, we mentioned men in black, but, uh, you know, an in intelligence said we're black because you expected it. And then we have the movies. So it's crossed over and it's gotten to be a rather huge industry around the world. Like you said, with all these events and people, we write, have authors, which I've got an author's book club and TJ Mars publishing, but I'm not in it for the money nor have I've ever made. I think I've made three, 4,000, maybe in 10 years like passive income, and this passive income in helping people that are world leaders and especially American uh, competitive uh, forum. They have the competitive forum with the bankers and uh, the people that lead uh, unions or associations. And But this one that I'm doing is going to be, you and I talked about remembering who's who as part of it, we can have an honorarium for people, uh, including T. Friedman. He got an award, and I put his little uh, email in one of my books uh, to help at least have a memory of, uh, it's not written properly, but I'm starting American Communications Online Guidebook. But for you and me running this UFO Association, I started the name back with Stanton Friedman, and George Filer said don't leave him out. But I'm sure uh, we we want to start. And remember, I promised, I didn't promise, I agreed to help J. Allen Hynek. So a lot of people might not know that we have a history, even though we're starting officially in 2020. You and I probably started last year. But we, we've just been doing radio shows like Book 1 and this is part of Book 2 to get oral reports so we can start – Letting people we don't want this information to go away folks and it and it takes so much time to write and remember all the people, so we're doing this off the cuff, but we do want a professional association for people business to business, and we want a hobby association so we can train and intern people that will come and help people like uh Jan here that needs scanners and clippers and people in your area around the world to go and get reports. So it's a, it's a huge task, but I'm doing my best. At least let's get organized with Jan and use him and also Barry Greenwood and his friends to help us get this hobby association. Uh, it may change the UAP association. We don't know, but under UFO association, was what I agreed to. But I told Jay Allen Heineke I'd keep up uh, the business, but I couldn't at the time because I was still wearing a uniform. But now that I'm retired and I've got time and my husband's past and my daughter's past to work with Jan and to do this because I already did radio anyway. So how do we bring all our uh, future content and get it archived in our – Cyberspace and and right now Jan and I both pay for our own websites and we've got our own people, but we're trying to pull this together. Now Jan, you know you go to an annual meeting anyway in Chicago, but you're that closed meeting, we can invite our new hobbyists or trainees or interns from the universities, but we can get them to have hobby associations Right now. I'm starting a radio club uh, here in Florida in the Panhandle to help train some people in radio, but they don't have anything to talk about. But some of them said they were interested in UFOs, but they don't know how to do any of this. So we're just going to do ACO club for right now. And then when people are interested in a topic, we'll put them in that hobby association, which may be UFO association, right? Now you could help us separate. Uh, I don't know if you want to say, UFO Association is a hobby association, but since we're not paid, we're volunteers. So how do we deal with that? It's still a a hobby to you, isn't it? Did I lose you?
0: Oh, no, I'm here.
1: So. Okay, but you're a hobbyist, but we need to get it. We can do the who's who. I don't mind putting people in a directory but we have to decide what association to put them in. And I guess they'll tell us if they're a professional or a hobbyist, right? Let's uh well, say Richard. A, you know,
0: I I I'm a historian. I'm ai you know, I I graduated with a history degree, so that's that's one of the reasons I do UFO history cuz it's uh you know, I have some experience in what, uh, and some education, and in, uh, involved in history. So that's that's one thing. And well,
1: where will we put you? Uh, would we put you in a professional based on our? Uh, well, there you are. Know
0: you know, history? how can you say who is a professional? Usually, a professional is somebody that's salaried.
1: Well, we need to. Uh,
0: you know, I've I'm I, I, I'm saying that. Uh,
1: Yeah, let me look and see the difference. Professional, I'm going to look it up. Professional associations versus, uh, this is just, I don't know. uh, I just don't want the responsibility in hobby associations. So maybe you can help me decide uh, professional and hobby associations. Uh, ACO professional association says professional and hobby associations. Okay, so what is the difference? Uh, that's something, well, if people do it as passive, so there's an in-between too. Let me see what passive income is. Passive, earn passive income. I think that's what a lot of these people do at these UFO congresses. They're not really making a living at it. But because they make a dollar, are they considered professionals? So this is at the education level. (laughs) Passive income that requires little to no effort to earn and maintain. It is called progressive passive income when the earner expends little effort to grow the income. Example of passive income includes rental income and any business activity in which the earner does not materially participate? How do you materially? Wow, now we're getting into ontology and epistemology and the study of words. Wow. Okay. Well, how how will we know? Jan, can you write up? Do you all have anything written up already for CUFOs and MUFON? But we need one for our professional, our hobby or both uh an association ufo association we're not professional we're not a hobby or what are we what are you and i
0: i don't know what i consider you? myself i i consider myself a professional because i'll put my knowledge up against anybody's now uh i just uh uh talked to this canadian professor in uh um in canada is writing a book about ufos and we had uh we had exchange about uh he wanted cer- certain information and he's you know he's he's talking about this uh, uh julian hennessy in uh in europe and he says well uh uh do you know julian hennessy i said yes quite well and he says well uh uh, he's a uh uh he's a ufo buff right he's a ufo uh-huh. hobbyist and i said no he probably knows more than even if you've been working on your book for a couple of years i think he knows more than you do whoa uh, so and then he uh what he was uh researching was the uh Uh, there was a document written in 1948 that said the UFOs were uh, probably interplanetary vehicles by the Air Force. It was an internal document. It never became an official document, but it was in there. So he says, well, this is just a uh, a legend, right? There's no, uh, there's no information that proves that. And I said, yes, there is. Now, it's secondary and tertiary sources, because not only was a report written up, but the the UFO uh, project at the time also had to send in um, uh, reports. And their conclusion was mentioned in one of these reports. And he says, well, do you have that report? And I said, no, but I know what the title and... And date was. So he said, well, that's, that's how, so how do you know what, what it said in the report? And I said, because I have uh, a Navy uh, engineer who's, who analyzed the Air Force's report, and he quoted from it. So that's how we know what was in the report. No, it's not the um, it's not the actual document, but it's got quotes from the actual document. And I gave him all the references, and he said, "Well, this is," he said, "I he said if you read a UFO book, they they always refer to some kind of evidence, but they never give you citations that somebody can go and look up." And I said, "Well, that's I said this is the way I work at this thing." So he says, well, that's, you know, that's that's the kind of thing I want. I want somewhere where I can go and explain where I've got this information from. So that was... They want to uh,
1: cite their sources.
0: as. Uh, right, right. And, and a lot of people don't uh, cite their sources, or they don't even understand the sources. They say, this is a Bolander memo. It's not a memo. It's a staff study. Um, uh, Twining memo. It's not... Twining's memo. He signed it. He signed it because it was the opinion. It's the corporate opinion of the uh, uh, Air Materiel Command at the time in 1947. It's not a, his memo. He is signing for the command. And that's that's... <laughs> At this late date, it's it's hard to believe that people don't understand uh, even basic military uh, correspondence and uh, administrative how procedures. How it relates? Yeah,
1: right. I worked I worked with uh, with classifying documents as well as the JAG office, but I've been trained to do what you and I are doing today, and I never understood all the training and why they put millions in me to do what I'm doing today now that I'm retired. But I now recognize that our country and the international arena in cyberspace is now asking the 60 to 80-year-olds to participate in humanity, which we have really never really uh, optimized as a model in uh, enterprise or in uh, global scale before, you know, because you and I were raised in a day where a gold watch parachute and all that at 60. But now I'm and I was just listening to this group today on C-SPAN or somewhere with all these presidents of uh, different associations together for the competitive forum, including the University of Arizona, you know, different people, the Bank of America president, all these people on a forum to help us and they're saying that people, of mine in your age, sixty to eighty, to and they're even going to do ninety, have have to. They want to work. They want to do things, and that we have to redo even the universities. They not to restri- They're going to totally reinvent how we're doing the entire global population, including university level education level. So you know, there's going to be the twenty year span for the twenty year olds to forty. Forty to sixty, where they cut us off pretty much, and told us even our MPs. I was talking to one. He was sixty-three. He had to get out. He didn't even want to get out of the military, but because he was sixty-three, they were kicking him out, literally out of the out of the army. So there's sixty to eighty now that some of them are still fit. And they were talking about. And I've got uh, you know a doctor that teaches yoga and anthropology, and he has a master in psychology in Hawaii that's in my age folk life society. You know, they study uh, history, but from a anthropology type of window. You and I are pulling all these, you and I are historians, but we're, we've been in libraries. We've spent a lot of our time reading books. We've spent a lot of time in our government. We understand working classified material and also now the kids of today are calling me and wanting to be in our group, but they don't have any training. So we have a we're gonna to have to figure out an internship. But this is a whole new thing. For right in the time that we wanna have all this stuff for the elders to do and help, they're also saying you and I both know this, that they're going from UFO to USO to UAP to at alien contact, alienologists versus ufologists. And you know the historians like Richard Dolan versus Michael Sala from Australia. You know, you know what I'm saying. We've got all this internal stuff and strife and even the events. I just had a friend of mine on radio, this radio, go on a record, meaning YouTube, uh, that he is – he was going to be he was bragging on social media that he was going to be a speaker at a uh, ufo event and he cited and i'm not going to mention it any names because uh but it's true fact and, and later on folks if you want to know who i was talking about just email me uh, Agency at gmail.com and i'll tell you but Uh, he's been told after all this planning and promoting that he is now going to not be a speaker at a UFO event. One of the huge large ones with a history, Jan. And it shocked me. But what happened is it was just like the Corey Good, Richard Dolan deal with MUFON and Jan Harzan. Remember the 50th anniversary at MUFON? This is inside loop talk, really, but, The point is there are people making choices at these conferences at who is professional or who is uh, nuts and bolts, and mechanical type, and where they want the history to go versus those that may be working with movies, Hollywood, television, fiction. It's almost getting like nonfiction versus fiction, and the historians want it historically accurate, which would be you and me as well, but they do cross over. So this is, what would you call this, a new movement, a new paradigm? It's, it's everything, but I don't know how to explain all this to the kids coming in, so it's up to us to sort of organize the library, so to speak. <laughs> it's not just paranormal either. I moved to you and me today from paranormal, where I usually keep our UFO association, To education today. So our category today is education, Jan. Uh But you see what I'm saying? So we're public. Our category is education. And our tags are ACO Association, UFO Association, American Communications Online, ACIR Radio, Jan Aldrich, and Teresa J. Morris. Now, what can we do with this? Because I do not want to lose... uh, accountability for the fact that you and I have already done radio shows where you collect an archive, you help KUFOs. Uh, Jay Allen Hynek, we're doing that history. We've talked about it on the UFO and crossing over into the History Channel. But also, uh, we've got kids that need to know how to get into the business and out of the, the radio business is the one I'm talking to today, but they needed content. So you were elected because I was called today for the university and for the two people to listen to us today to train in radio. But I'm not using my radio voice so much. But the thing is, you've got to have the content right. And now they want to join and be interned into association into radio. And why not use this topic? Except that it's in our business, we know it's gotten controversial due to the events. And my point is. Now they're deciding after somebody goes out in social media and on their websites and on their YouTube channels and talk about going to be a big speaker at one of these huge UFO events out in the West, and now he's not going to go because it's the owner's right uh, to decide, okay, well, we've decided not to have you as a speaker but this is what you and I can address with our new-founded interest in bringing all this together, but recognizing the old guys, who's who, in our web directory, who's who directory. So there's a need for what you and I are doing right now, Jan. I just want you to know that. But we can't decide who who will and won't be speakers, but there's a flavor of who's professional and who's doing it just for a hobby, so go back to that phone call today. You were talking with that man. Would he be interested in being in our UFO association as a no? No, he's a
0: skeptic. He he thinks that the whole business is, um, the whole business is uh, hooey. Right. Uh, well, uh, see, it's most academics do not believe that there's anything to this.
1: Great. So um, do they even know there's a history
0: to it? Yeah, well this guy does. He's writing on a history. I, I know another fellow from the University of Pennsylvania who writes who writes uh uh on this and he has a, he has a grant from uh from the Smithsonian to do a history book on on UFOs. But I know that he's 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 gonna approach it from the idea that there is nothing to it. Great. So this uh, so is
1: affecting history this and money is This is
0: the way. This is grants. the way that you talk about professionals. The professionals do not figure that there is anything to this.
1: So they're already going in biased. There, you can't. How do you get a grant and be biased? Aren't they supposed to be unbiased? Well, you know, I told
0: them. I said. I said. I. I, uh, I had a long talk with them, and I said. Uh, Look, the Smithsonian is uh, anti-UFO. Um, so, uh, how are you going to do this? And he says, "Well, you know, I don't care because my credentials are established." But he said, "My approach is not that uh, uh, this is a uh, uh, this is uh, an important topic to uh, to today's culture." That it's just It uh,
1: is. It's part of our it, it, we are.
0: Well, you can say that, but the, the consensus is that it is not.
1: Well, what about our space travel advocates? We're just starting that. I've gotten a call to do space travel advocates because these kids don't understand why, I'm from NASA, my own kids. I can't even explain why we dropped the ball in 1973. They're like, what happened? Dad died and his picture's in NASA here in Florida on the wall. But, Mom, why are we going in space and Mars and all that? So do we join the Mars Society and all those people want us to go to Mars? Or uh, The space travel advocacy is about us getting in space, you know, and it's going to be a social media group. But still, there's a lot of people that believe in Star Trek and movies and going to Mars. And there's been plenty of people that worked with Lockheed. And, you know, I don't know the guy's name. You may know it. But he started a Mars society or something. And then Ken Johnston was chosen or one of the older guys that was in that Mars one astronaut program or whatever where they were picking people. And he was in their finals. To go to Mars, and you know these groups that go out in the mountains and play walk on Mars out west, you know, so, so what do they do with all those people you know they they have different societies uh, they're not all crazy; they're just wanting to work with getting us to you know they don't have to work for NASA or Grumman or Lockheed, but a lot of these space agencies. They're competing now, I guess, with Elon Musk and uh, who's the Virgin Airlines? Sir Richard Branson. You know, different people like that, if that makes any well, sense.
0: You know, uh, expo- exploring space and UFOs are two different things. And uh, so that's...
1: Well, it doesn't have to be. We've got the Space Force well, coming up.
0: It, first of all, you got to get people that are... NASA doesn't want to go near UFOs, so um, that's one thing right there. So you know they're not interested. They think it's a waste. Well, they're of time.
1: interested in getting money to go into space. They're interested, but they're not in the interested political. in UFOs,
0: which is a different topic altogether. So,
1: so they're now they're not the So our ACO club or whatever I've got going on, American Communications Online, trying to deal with all the. Red tape seems like I've always had to do this. I've always had to separate everything, but it gets to be so costly because it's like religion. I can't get everybody in the same church or on the same theosophical society. I can't get historians on the same. It's just hard to get people together.
0: Well, like I said, UFOs is not a reputable topic for discussion now i say it is and my argument is that uh it doesn't matter if ufos exist or not that be uh there's a, a long history of people writing studying uh being involved in government programs and uh you can study that um, well, how do we
1: separate science and history? Like you said, NASA, but look at the History Channel. But people are yeah, talking the history about Channel. how...
0: Yeah, look at the History Channel. Look at the History Channel. What a piece of junk. What a terrible organization. They used to actually make good uh, documentaries. Every one of those documentaries, or every one of the Project Blue Book things that they've done about Hynek has been a... Uh, stupid absolutely stupid has nothing to do with history um it's more
1: entertainment it's like it's um, te- more entertainment of of it's
0: just it's just entertainment now heinic didn't do anything like that now his son who was not interested in ufo's when heinic was alive is giving his okay to everything um,
1: so they're using his son as the expert
0: yes or and and I've always said that uh Heineck had an interesting life, and if you actually told the truth instead of some a couple of jerk writers coming up with some kind of a a uh um, Script? <laughs> yeah uh, it's a, not a rather
1: a, a no. rather
0: uh um, uh bad science fiction if you actually look <laughs> at some of the things that Heineck did during his life, or some of the cases he investigated, you, you could do that, and it'd be more interesting than, uh, like I say, these hack writers. Um, wow! So and, I
1: and I talked to some of them,
0: and I told them, I said, "What are you doing?" Well, you got to understand, it's entertainment. I said, "No, you're purporting." You started out saying this is this is what happened with Doctor Heineck. I said. No, he didn't. Half the cases they have him investigating, he didn't even touch. Wow! But he did what all kinds of had? things that were really interesting, and and like I said, he almost got killed in South America. Now that would that seems to be something you could make a show out of. And we uh, could just tell the truth and it's 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 fantastic enough like that. But no, we've gotta we've gotta say people our honorable people like the uh um uh Lieutenant Gorman in uh uh, uh in one of the first episodes, uh uh a uh, a case that Heineck did not investigate. He didn't investigate right. that. He didn't go out there and talk to Gorman. They got Gorman oh,
1: going crazy oh,
0: and oh. and holding holding his wife hostage. Give me a break. Oh, my. Oh oh my no. It's terrible. It's terrible. So people,
1: okay, so let's look at so that. So then baby. how are you,
0: if that's the kind of Hollywood. stuff that's presented uh, as what we do, or what you know what's what's happened? How do you get people to take this thing seriously,
1: oh, especially no. academics? Okay. You
0: can't. You, you know, so, they're going to say they're going to look at one of those episodes and say this is so silly. I I don't want to be associated with
1: it. Great. So here we are. Historical documentation. So the History Channel is supposed to be doing history, but they're doing documentary. It looks like they're doing entertainment but it's now. Not. It's they uh, they they interviewed.
0: Uh, yeah, they interviewed. Uh,
1: Reality um, shows.
0: Right. Well, it's not even that. It's not even that good. And uh, like wow. I said, uh, Heineck's son is involved in that. And I uh, he he was he wasn't when Heineck was alive. His children were not interested in what he was doing. Um, so I'm sure he's getting some kind of consulting fee for this thing. Uh, they they uh, they sent me a thing and said, "Would you uh, would you come on at the end and talk about these cases?" And I said, "No, I won't, because I I'm validating what you do, so I'm not going to do that." I said, "If you just take some time to look at the case, you can dramatize this so it's as interesting as anything you can make up in your mind."
1: Okay. If you so really look go. at
0: some of these cases.
1: It's how people are spending the money and they're rewriting history, but not properly, and that's not fair to us right. or our children. And now, I saw a History
0: 18th. Channel thing back about uh, 10 years ago, and it had one of the uh, uh, Robert Billick, who was sort of the unofficial um, historian out at uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base at. Uh, um, uh, 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 the uh, uh, the ATIC there he he goes all the way back to when it was T two so so during the war he was he was there and you know, like I said he's sort of the unofficial historian and uh, just by. Seeing that thing, I learned a lot, because it was actually done as a history documentary about what happened out there, as, uh, intelligence at, um, at Wright-Patterson. It was not a UFO documentary. It was just a documentary about how they did things day to day and one of the, some of the things they were involved in. It was very interesting. And uh, one of the people that we interviewed for our uh, oral history program was Billick. Um, so I, I got to check what the History Channel said about him against what what he had told us in his oral history. It was very good. But now they've become a bunch of uh, hack writers. So they're just oh, uh, a real pain in the neck now. Well we've got um, ancient aliens so and all this other stuff uh, um the secret files and I don't know a half a dozen of them on there now they're just um half of them are uh, don't have any basis in reality they are uh um there's people sitting around and writing second rate science fiction, and that's not what I did. Now, uh, I went on the Smithsonian. Smithsonian had a, a, a multi-part UFO um, uh, program okay. about UFOs, and I went on with uh, with the Smithsonian, <laughs> and I talked about the 1952 um uh August um, uh a UFO sighting at Kirkland Air Force Base New Mexico when they when uh, one of the pilots actually shot at a UFO. So uh uh it's in it's in Ruppelt's book. It's 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 one of his first chapters in there. And he talks about it, and so I went beyond what he said about it and researched it further. And uh, we found uh, Tom and I found the intelligence officer that was present at the time, and we interviewed him. So now we know a little bit more about this. Now Rupel okay. discussed Rupel discussed this at the uh, at the uh, Robertson panel at the CIA, well, everybody thinks that, oh, there's nothing about the Robertson panel uh, except whatever uh, Frederick Durant wrote about it. And that's not true. One of the scientists actually made notes of what went on at the panel. Dr. Thornton Page kept notes, and Rupel told about the... uh, Kirkland Air Force Base thing so this is another source of information about it and so when we when the the Smithsonian people started interviewing me on this they just wanted me to read back to them or uh, give back to them what Ruppelt said and I said no this is wrong Ruppelt's got it wrong here so how do you know and I said because we talked to the intelligence officer we know what the heck was going on there he was able to give us insight into what was happening at the sighting. So what Rupert wrote in his book, it's not exactly the way things happened. And I said, then we've got the uh, notes from the scientists, and they were surprised because they just really they, being the Smithsonian, of course, they're they're anti UFO anyways. Um, they were surprised. They said, how did you get this stuff? And I said, by uh, research, a lot of research. We had to find the people that were involved, and luckily we were able to find the name, and then we found, we we looked throughout the country uh, for this guy's name and called him up and asked him if he would interview on, with us, and he did. Um So that's how we, usually when we interview somebody, we don't just interview them about their intersection with UFO, UFOs. We interview them about their whole life. So it's usually about a two-hour thing, maybe it's longer, where we talk to them, you know, uh, 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 their childhood, their, uh, Military service, anything else they did, their education, um, uh, the whole person, and then we spend maybe the second half or more on the uh, on how they were involved with UFOs. This is this is the way we do things. It's not it's not professional. We're not doing it to the. We're trying to do as close as we can to the standard that the Oral History Association uh has has put out. Well, there but you we go. don't There's we don't have videos. we don't have time to we don't have the time to uh go back and check everybody's what they tell you or uh submit to them a uh a copy of the uh interview so that they can make corrections or additions it's just we're uh, you know we have regular most most of us have regular jobs, and we're trying to do this on the side. So it's uh, um, I uh, I would argue that it's not hobbyist, but it's not we don't have the resources that say a university like Texas A and M would do would have to do, well, do these you kind pay
1: of. Years? To Oral History Association yourself? Huh? Do you pay dues to the Oral History Association? No,
0: Tom does. He drags me along because I know the UFO history.
1: Ah, oh, I see.
0: So he does. He's he's got the equipment. He knows how to produce um, uh, archives quality. Um, Films And how to you know What to ask Now I think he is a member of the Oral History Association But they do have a You know they have a guide as to how oral histories Are supposed to be done Well We We try to stay as close as we can to them But look we went on uh we went on one trip where I think we put at least going around from one place to another. I think we must have put three to or uh five to uh six thousand miles uh traveling to go places wow so we're uh And that's like uh, doing an oral history every two days. You know, in the meantime, you're traveling and everything. Um, so it's um, we try to be as close to the uh, to the standards that they have, but unfortunately, we are not. We don't have the resources.
1: Well, they have uh, $45 a year is what uh, the community practitioner. Now, a general member is $100 a year. We can't charge that much, you and I. So what do you want to – since you know OHA uh, and, you know, you're going with Tom, but for our – what do you want to charge right now? Because, uh, you know, just to give people a directory – Listing and we'll, we'll look at yours, but we got one two, one, two, and five dollars a month for our radio club. What do you think about for our, our UFO Association club? But you, you'll have to help me list who's a practitioner. But the, today we're working for the students in the community, and we do this free. But we're going to try to train people how to organize, you know, like whatever club or website they want to join. We can't decide for them. We're more of a management content group right now with oral history. Wow. Well, anyway, we can talk about that off air later, I guess, but uh, it won't be much
0: folks. I'm interested in canals. Canals? Uh, Yeah, canals. The history of canals in the United States.
1: Wow, uh, like the Erie Canal.
0: Yeah, the Erie Canal. So, wow. so I wanted, I there, you could take trips on the Erie canal, but, nice. um, yeah, but it's, it's limited, you know, you've got to get a early reservation and you've got to do, you know, I'll tell you what, the, uh, the, the people that do the, the trip, they're, they don't, they don't average ties very much. They must, it must be mostly word of mouth or something like that, or there's, uh, there used to be a canal here in Connecticut called the Farmington Canal. Um and it's now historical. Um there's not much of it left. It's just all ruins. But uh I went on a uh, trip with people that uh, uh uh do uh well you I guess you'd say they're archaeologists. Um and you can find out where the canal was and the the, uh, um, the route it took and everything. And uh, there's still artifacts. There's no canal there anymore, but there's still artifacts. So that's one of the things. Um, of course, there's all uh, in Europe. You can take a, uh, uh, you can ride on the rivers all the way from the uh, from the Netherlands to the Black Sea. Because they have wow. canals between the Rhine, uh, uh, the Rhine and the Danube and uh, a number of these other rivers that you can uh, uh, you can go on so that you know that's another interest I have now if I was to go ahead and um, you know do a film of that or a documentary you know it wouldn't be professional I'm not a professional. The um, videographer or anything like that. Um, so it's the same thing with ufology. It, uh, we're trying to do a number of things. I mean, you know, oral history is a just one thing, um, and uh, putting together documents in some kind of order and and uh, uh, reports and things like that It's uh, We're a, a lot of people They're kind of out of their depth You know You've we, we got to learn by doing
1: Right like That's said, what we're trying to start This internship This is like not an
0: approved Subject for study You know they uh Many people in academia do not believe that, we, you know, we're serious or anything. That uh, And, of course, they get feedback from the outside. Uh, you talk about these conferences. The first thing we go to these conferences, what do you see? Uh, uh, a, a statue of a gray. And so if you uh, – and I saw this at uh, – at one of the MUFON conferences I went to uh the local radio sh- uh TV station came down to uh, film some stuff about that now they're having a meeting on science science in the other room about how to uh uh possibly set up a uh a series of cameras to catch you know to catch UFOs and they're talking in the other room but this guy he saw that that uh, statue of the gray, and he spent 20 minutes photographing it from all, the, or uh, going from all different angles. The seriousness is gone. Nothing is, you know, he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't look at anything else there. And it's only a, a minute or so on the evening news, so you know that's all he has to do. So he didn't talk about what was going on there. He was talking about this statue he saw. Um, uh, Billy Cox was talking about, uh, in one of his uh, his columns, uh, um, in which he went to a UFO conference, and what do they have? They have this dog that looks like it's being... You know this costume on this dog that looks like it's being eaten by an alien. Oh, that's that's really serious. They, now people that uh, people that don't know what uh, anything about ufology think, oh, these guys are really nuts. Well, if you act like you're a nut, that's what people are gonna say about you. You are a nut. So. Um, I noticed that most of these conferences they don't have anything to pass out to somebody that you know might want to know might just wander in on what's going on and be interested in finding out more about it. That seems to be a, a problem uh, I'm. Well, just, This is this is a big problem here. I think about uh, do we want to be serious or do we want this to be a uh, a joke?
1: Well, you already well. What do you have any? uh, We've got your website and your project, but you're not being paid by Smithsonian. So let's look at how we come together weekly on a radio show, and if we bring people on. Some of them may be getting money from the Smithsonian and some don't, but as a Folklife Society, I started that based on my uh, uh, commitment to collecting stories in Kentucky up in the hills and working with International Bluegrass Music Association and Broadcast Music Incorporated, BMI, but I'm also a member of the Society of Professional Journalists but I'm not a member of anything for a investigator anymore because that was my trade, but, uh, we can do ACO press club, but, uh, we're oral historians here. How do we want to present ACO association? Do you want it to be a better practice or do we want to have you and me, the principals, and use the, uh, other practices because A spoke life society. And then we, uh, they, uh, we have the Ascension Center Organization for our spiritual science community. That's a whole topic in itself. But I, the UFO business, Janet's been taking more. Remember, Dr. Bruce McAbee helped us set up the ACO for Alien Contact Org for the uh, contactees. But at the same time, they had uh, Dr. Uh, Ed, our, uh, what was his name? Edgar Mitchell doing his his group. And the size stuff, and then Free came in, and then that guy uh Hernandez, Ray Hernandez, took over Free. Janet and I were in that beginning. I've helped start a lot of organizations in the beginning, you know, in Florida, Dr. Edgar Mitchell and stuff. But they're all separate, and they all get their own little clique and their own little committees. You, sh- you know, MUFON's got a board of directors, but you and I – We have to decide how we want to do all this to answer your own question. You are the principal because uh, Dr. Bruce McAbee uh, is still with us and always will be here in Jan, you know, in an honorarium like Stan. But right now, everybody's dying, so we got to reestablish all this. Because I work with videographers, too, and then we have book authors, vendors, so... In preparation for interviewing and preservation, you know, we need access to oral records, which we're doing here, and then where are we going to keep the oral archives? So all this needs to go into, I guess, one club and then decide on the divisions like a library, because we don't have a brick and mortar. You and I have discussed that for all our archives. We need one. But even Kupos has so many by themselves. They need their own building. That's just one group. And this is a whole new group of people. Basically, you're already talking to people. I don't know if you're qualifying or disqualifying them, whether they'd want to be in our group. All we could do is ask. But how would we do skeptics? You know what I'm saying? If they hear this guy approaches you and says, I need your help. I'm writing this book. I need the information. And I'm going to get paid by Smithsonian because i got a grant. But you're helping them with information, which I'm sure you don't mind. But... You know, you used to get money yourself, like look at Bigelow and uh, MUFON, and uh, what is that group you're in? that used to pay you, but they don't anymore. What was that group, UFO groups? You know what I'm talking uh, nobody, about?
0: Nobody, nobody, uh, no, I, I got grants. Nobody ever paid me.
1: Oh, that I would grant. Well, well, yeah,
0: yeah. But I mean, the Smithsonian gave me, you know, $300, and that was mostly expenses and stuff. Um,
1: Okay, so you turn in. Yeah, I I told them. I
0: said, look, uh, that's usually what I tell people. I said, look, I don't want to come on a, a radio or television program with you because what it's going to be, you're going to get a skeptic and then you're going to get a believer. And I said, I'm not a believer. And I said, if you, you don't need a skeptic. I'm skeptical myself. Uh, so, uh, But uh, this is the only way you guys know how to do this kind of a program. You get one guy to, sh- to talk about his side, and then you get somebody else that com- is completely opposite to talk about his side. I said, I don't want to play Cowboys and Indians. I'm way beyond that. That's six years old. I said, if you want to hear about what I've done in my research, that's fine. I said, I am very skeptical when I do things. I don't accept everything. I I check it over and over and over again. So I said, I don't need, and and especially somebody that's a degree astronomer that comes on afterwards and, and Brags about well, I never investigate any UFO cases, but I could just tell you that this is wrong. Well, if you just never investigate anything, then you don't know. And I, well, I'm tired of that. that so I... usually I tell them, hey, if I'm going to be on your program, it's thirty dollars an hour and uh, uh, minimum of ten hours, and that usually everybody's gone. They don't want to. They don't. They don't want to talk to me then. Because they so want to, they they want to get somebody much. that comes on for free, so the Smithsonian actually, you know, say, yeah, yeah, we'll pay that, you know, which is nothing, well, you know. If Stan, free, if Stan Freeman came on a, uh, a, a TV show, he got automatically two thousand dollars.
1: Wow, yeah, that was sort and, of set standard.
0: Yeah, that's the standard because he was a. He was uh, after or whatever the uh, organization is that our uh, uh, TV personalities,
1: right? And we have so SAG he has SAG to get
0: after. paid at at scale, whatever it is now. I think when that's he true. first started, it was two thousand dollars. I don't know what it is now.
1: Yeah, SAG after we just had to SAG after SAG wars. after
0: whatever it is. Yeah, I'm not sure what yeah. the organization.
1: He was well, that's that. more Hollywood film industry.
0: <laughs> so he got. If he appeared on one of these programs, he got scale, whatever the you know it's like the minimum wage for for actors
1: right, well, he helped me start this, and then I like I put in my book, he and I were doing books, but he and i he had a New York agent, but uh I was talking to him when he was getting stuff going well, years and years ago, which you know in J. Allen Heineck, but we're old-timers now, and what do we want to do based on our history with the kids coming up today that want to do oral history on radio, and they don't care of the content. They just want to get into radio, but you didn't come to help me to do radio. I came to help you with the J. Allen Heineck and the Sh- uh, Kupo stuff right. because I sort of committed to J. Allen Heineck, but you committed. Well you and Barry Greenwood committed to help Kufo's, uh the new director, right? Whoever I don't even know who the new director is, I apologize. I keep forgetting his Mark
0: name. Mark Rodiger.
1: Okay. But you still like helping him, right? Right. And I have I have yet to talk to him. I know you and I were going to have him on a radio show, yes. but we'll we'll plan one in the future once we get our act together here. I'm just going to use OHA for you and me right now. I put that on this website. General membership $100, Emergence Independent $75, Student $35, Life Member $1,000, and Partner Member $450. I'll let you know if anybody joins. <laughs> But I'll put it on today's show. That will give us OHA model uh, for uh, starting something. So, with- so
0: actually, uh, I mean, you don't need much equipment to have a, a podcast or something. And that's how a lot of people start out with a podcast. Okay. And so you well, don't need much, you know, uh, and in a lot of cases, they are paying to use... Uh, Professional equipment, and they may even provide an engineer to run the equipment. You know, to get the. And if you uh, do other things like uh, various um, things up from podcasts where you're actually doing uh, uh, documentary films and things like that, uh, uh, a lot of people just. You know, they just they just start out doing this. I mean, not everybody's a television reporter or anything. Uh, um, uh, and like you say, people don't. You know, they they might like to. They just want content that people might be interested in. So you like, uh, here I live in Will, uh, near Willimantic, Connecticut, and. Uh, Years ago, they had uh, frog armies what? during the Revolutionary <laughs> War. So somebody can come on, some local historian or a local person that uh, collects legends and things, and they can talk about the frog fight at Willimannock. <laughs> so if you go around the towns around Willimannock, you will find... Everywhere there's frogs. There's a bridge in Willamette over the river there that's got got frogs sitting at the uh, big statues, cool. about ten ten foot tall of frogs uh, at the bottom of the bridge. They call it the Frog Bridge.
1: Why do they call them Frog Wars though? I mean, it was really a Frog a War bridge? for some
0: reason. These. Um, uh there were frogs in this one pond and these other frogs came and it was a big battle between them <laughs> and it was I so it was, i mean the people were so amazed they you know they they made drawings and and, and wow. wrote up things about what they saw and everything and so everything That's around good here good. is is it has something to do with frogs i went to oh, a yeah. restaurant uh uh I used to go to a restaurant when I was in the, uh, in the post office when I was at, uh, uh, when I used to get loaned out to another post office and coming back, I used to eat at a restaurant that was called rivet. you know Like the frogs make that name, that, uh, yeah. that noise. So, uh, and you know, it was all frogs all over the place and in the window and everything, there's a stained glass frog. So, I mean, that, that is that is something you know content that uh you know somebody uh that's doing uh, um, uh such a program would be interested in in doing that even though they're not particularly interested in the subject. It's just an unusual thing um,
1: wow, I had no idea, so that's really is that American history? It's yeah, it just, is. That would be a document. There is, there is, is some
0: kind of there is, there was some kind of a, a battle between the frogs. I don't know, uh, one group of frogs was trying to get this other group of frogs,
1: uh, <laughs>
0: out of the pond. They were trying to take over. So. Wow!
1: Um, how about that? Predatory. It is. Yeah, like yeah. They said they, they you know, they're
0: marching across the. They didn't have paved roads, but they had, you know. <laughs> Wagon trails And people be, be, Here comes these frogs From another place um, Attacking these first frogs I've so,
1: never heard of anything so It's a, called the frog war so. wow, Yeah, a, That is awesome. So
0: uh, yeah And all over Willamette there's, Everything's a frog Everything's about frogs It's a, it's a legend live. It's a legend that's grown up They got the frog bridge And Uh you know, frog restaurant and um, all kinds of things like that.
1: Wow, so, so you live that's there? That's a
0: local. That's a local uh, legend that uh, people around the country might be interested in hearing about.
1: Um, wow. Well, our little thing today we started. I guess it'll just be. We'll have principles, and we'll figure out how to let people in. But you've got this closed-minded stuff. But do you have a frog member association up there where people can join? That, Are you a frog? member of it? You remember the, our frog wars? Oh
0: no, no. It's just it's 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 such a legend. If they ever, like I say, you know, if they uh, in fact, um. Uh, One of the streets up here is named Frog Hollow, so. (laughs) That's so
1: so funny. Yeah, do uh, do people uh, come and pet frogs? Do they have? I don't even know about frogs. I'm not a frog person. Big bull frogs, little frogs. Now I like those little tiny. Green ones, uh, little tiny tree frogs. I, I I played with those growing up. I didn't like those big brown ones in Monroe, Louisiana, where I grew up. They were ugly. They looked like they had warts on them. I don't even know the difference.
0: Yeah. So the uh, um, you can still go where the pond that um, that this all happened on. I mean, it's there's a sign on the road saying uh, Frog War. Wow! This way, so
1: frog war this way. Amazing. Yeah, and the library's
0: got you know the library's got all kinds of information about it. And, uh, well, we
1: can meet at the library. That's where our big oh well, are yeah. In the, in the
0: winter, in the winter time, like it is now, now like they have these ten foot frogs at the uh, on the uh, on the bridge. You know, like at the bottom of the bridge. You know, like guarding the bridge. Wow. They got these statues of 10-foot frogs there. And in the wintertime, people knit scarves for them and put the scarves around their neck so they don't get cold. <laughs>
1: wouldn't would they be hobby, hobbyists, hobby association, frogs? They wouldn't be professional frog association with No, no, but story? I
0: mean, you know, the the local <laughs> the local historical society, you know, would do that. Now, my sister goes to a his, history meeting every um, uh I think it's twice a month on Friday uh uh Fridays and uh, during the Revolutionary War, the French went to Rhode Island. And uh when Washington saw that uh uh what was going on in the South towards the end of the war uh, Cornwallis was the british general and he, he figured he could pen Cornwallis uh, uh Cornwallis in and so uh uh General rochambeau, who was the french general he had a he had an army here. And they started marching down uh, from Rhode Island through Connecticut. And uh, he went through, uh, right where I'm sitting, he went in here in Canterbury, Connecticut. He went right through this town. And there's all kinds of things on the on the roads that talk about, you know, Rochambeau stopped here. Um, uh, and people find... Uh, Buttons, you know, with these uh, coin uh, detectors, uh, the metal detectors. They find uh, French buttons from French uniforms and other things. Uh, um, and he marched down there uh, and joined Washington. And this is this is a funny story from that. Uh, you know, he uh, um, this Connecticut sergeant. Was at the battle, and uh, uh, so uh, the watchword was Rochambeau, and he wrote back and he said, "But a lot of a, a lot of the uh, colonial soldiers or the uh, the patriots." Didn't know who Rochambeau was, and they thought they were saying Rush on, boys when they attacked so uh you know it's it's that's the kind of stuff you're interested you know it's interesting you can you could actually make a program around that you About can. How they, uh um, i mean you know Everybody thinks that since Washington uh, started out, the beginning of the war, he was on Long Island, and he got beat by the British. I mean, all he had was people that uh, were not, they weren't soldiers. They were just um, militias and stuff. And the British were professional soldiers. They'd been doing that all their lives. So they beat him. And everybody says, "Oh, Washington lost that battle." He would, you know, he wasn't that good until the French got here and told him how to. No, no, he pulled. He pulled off a, a Long Island and through New York, and finally to to Valley Forge. It was a brilliant campaign. He saved most of his army, and and people don't realize how you know. Yeah, he was he was being. Beaten back every place, but he managed to save his army, which was the big thing and then we then when we came back, you know the uh um, Alexander Hamilton and everything when they when they crossed the Delaware, they had a little surprise for the for the uh British and the Germans, so that's things like that are are uh, that that's that's just one con you know content that you could have and there's there's other things uh you know, how do you make maple syrup that might be you know a program or um, so
1: there uh, well, we've got a folk life programs but I don't know if that's folk life. Maybe the frogs is frogs folk life history. I,
0: I guess it's a legend. I mean, you know, it's. I'm sure that. The, you know, there's a lot of em, uh, embellishment to the uh, to the frog war. I'm quite sure. It's it's more like a legend than a than actual history. I mean, there is some actual history to it, but, you know, it's more like that. Um, uh, the, uh, well, um, the post office down there in, uh, where I worked, it goes back to 1867, um... Uh, the building goes back to 1867. The post office moved around down there but uh, ended up in a building that was built in 1867. And next to it is a, as an inn, and it used to be on the stagecoach run. So the stagecoach used to stop at the inn and people could uh, get out. And they had, you know, even in those days they had umbrellas at the uh, – and they had a little outdoor thing where, you know, in the summertime, people could sit outdoors and get a drink and, uh, you know, take a rest uh, during the stagecoach run. And then uh, during the Civil War or after the Civil War, it became a sanatorium for the, some of the wounded uh, soldiers. And So there's all kinds of interesting things you can talk about like that, just anything. And that's what a lot of people do on these, you know, podcasts and other things. They're just looking for content. They're not interested in the subject per se, like you said.
1: Right. So we've got this one. We've started as an oral history group. But it's mainly about UFOs. But you're a historian, and like you said, you're interested in canals. So we could do a weekly show besides this one. But we don't want to give up on the UFO history.
0: Yeah. So well, you know, it. I'm interested in railroads in too. You know, it's just I don't do much with that stuff now because I, I am, like I say, I'm, I'm getting towards the end, and I want to finish off scanning this stuff and <laughs> uh, arranging, arranging things that they, uh, somebody else could take over. What do you think when when about Allied... uh, When I leave, uh, so. It's. Uh,
1: the Allied Command Organization Oral History, it can be everything, can it? Or do you think it should be military only?
0: I don't know. It's. You know, uh, there's so many things about the military that are uh, people don't know about. People don't,
1: you know, they just. Well, military history is one subject, like we write books, all right? Yeah. It's not like we can't supply the whole library, but we can tell them we're historians and we specialize in paranormal or UFO really falls. But, you know, it depends on how the larger you think about it. History channel covers UFOs, but now travel Channel is doing UFO stories, travel channel. So
0: So, uh, uh, Richard Hall used to write about uh, women in the Army. So there were uh, some women during the Revolutionary War that uh, dressed up like men and were in battles in the civil in the uh, Revolutionary War. Uh, there's there was more than in the in the uh, Civil War. There were uh, a number of women that were actually you know in the armies. Both North. Well, I don't know about South, but I do know the North. That um, that's how Richard Hall got interested in. He did. He did a biography of this one woman who was a, a a soldier in the Civil War, and she hid it. She was able to hide her herself from uh, from most of the men. They had no idea.
1: Yeah, I've been known to do
0: that. <laughs> yeah, so not tell me I mean, a And she wanted to fight, and that's what she did. And you know, well hall wrote that book and then he started finding out that there were other women that were like that. And then it even went back to the revolutionary war where women had been in the army as soldiers. So that's, uh, um, uh, he, so he wrote a couple of books on, uh, you know, uh, I I can't remember the titles of it. This one is about I think the title is something about uh, deception or something. A- anyways, the uh, um, I think there was about a dozen of them that he had researched, <coughs> um, and. Uh, The one about the woman in the Civil War, uh, he got, it was quite successful, as a matter of fact. Um, Sold a lot of copies. Um, And so he went on a lot of programs just to talk about women uh, disguising themselves so they could join the Army.
1: Well, can we put space travel advocates? That's an interesting uh, social media group. I don't know how many are in it. I put you in it, but are you? You're about. I hope you're in it because you got the the UFO things are blending over. I've got the UFO secret space group, Allied Command, uh, military history, alien contact orators history. That's the one with Bruce Maccabee. You know, the ACO that we're doing, but uh, I guess we'll just have a general membership if anybody wants to join, and then we'll put them on the radio. You know, we'll give them a, a show. We can give them an hour show as part of the benefits or something. I don't know. But uh, you, you're only committed to two hours a week. Is is? Uh, but you let me know if it grows or we start having people come in and want to do more. I'll let you know.
0: Right.
1: So, uh, but uh, now, uh, are you in the, I I think I've got, you don't care because you're listed as as ACO main director history kind of person as a historian, but uh, do you want me to put you, the UFO Association, do you want your, you want to be in that one separate, don't you? UFO Association, because somebody else asked me to write an article about it, the UFO Association. While we were on the radio show They want me to They want to go read about it Because I have it down right now Because I'm putting up a directory for it Uh, But ACO Club app I'll put that on this show So at least you can find But uh, it's mostly people wanting the social media But they don't like to pay for that They want to be in the free groups And social media right But the professionals
0: You know that's what's killing all these groups And everything Because they can't get any money
1: Exactly.
0: You know, everything's got to be for free.
1: Well, you know who's making the money Then you of can't it.
0: run. Then you can't run anything. Um,
1: right.
0: Yeah. So it's. Uh, that's what happened. To all the UFO groups. Uh, there used to be. They used to be all over the place. But everyone wants it for free. They want free information. So uh, all these little UFO journals all over the place, they went out of business.
1: Right. Well, they got you and me right now, and Stan's yeah. gone. George Filer's got his nice archives out there, but he's always been a writer for MUFON. And the newsletter, it was him and Stan back in 2008, and there was James Carrion, and, and then Jan Tarzan came in. And right. now it's much more professional with a California office, and Jan Harzan gets paid, and a couple other people get paid, you know, in the office. And then they, they have all their money for their annual events off of their website domain, what they get for membership, but they got international membership. Did the government really infiltrate that, or is that because Bigelow? Give us a story. Let's get back on the UFO. We got nine minutes. Give us the story on Bigelow and MUFON, because you were in on that sign MUFON. And what were the three groups that were helping Bigelow, the three organizations? Oh, uh, uh,
0: Fund for UFO Research, uh, uh, Center for UFO Studies, and MUFON.
1: There you go. So that's history right there, folks, right here. UFOs, as usual, Jan Aldrich and Teresa J. Morris. Reporters and we have. Go ahead.
0: Now Bigelow just said he was gonna he was gonna provide the money and the coalition, the three groups were gonna provide how it was spent. But Bigelow is not that kind of a person. He's got he's gotta have his finger in it somehow. So he let them do what they wanted to for a while, and then he just. Said, "Hey, well, I'm not going to give any more money unless you do what I want."
1: Oh, well, are we going to say that to people? We're not going to give them any more money unless they do what we want them to. <laughs> well, you know, uh,
0: like I said, uh, Bigelow didn't like my project at all. uh
1: so, okay.
0: Why? So uh, he 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 was he was not happy. And Richard Hall did. Uh, the second volume of the UFO evidence from nineteen sixty four to the nineteen ninety five, I think it was. Um so Well do you
1: know do you know Doctor uh Bruce not Bruce McAbee, the other Bruce. Doctor he's been at UFO stuff. He's in our club, ACO Club. Uh what's his name? Doctor Bruce Oh, do you know the one uh he just did a book Cornette. he's in Yes. How'd you know that?
0: I said I've been around for fifty years in UFOs, so yeah. I know a lot of things. May not know yeah. it right away now, the, the way my brain's working, but it's you know it's there.
1: Well, he's in our club, and he's uh, he's shown up and been professional uh, as far as radio. That's the only way I know him is radio. But he really likes uh, Doctor. Uh, Bruce Maccabee, and I have a picture with him shaking hands and all of that, but uh, now he, you know, each person can do their own archives, but apparently he's got some of his own, but he he mainly studied that New Jersey up there, Montauk, I believe, but that's what his book's about. He just wrote a book about whatever he did on that, but uh, anyway, he's going to be a speaker for Bob Brown. Uh, He's paying him to come over there, uh, where, where is that? They call it the other Las Vegas Laughlin. It's where Paula Harris does her uh, star works. or She's doing something now with Russell Targ and ESP. Oh, that's another factor. You know, I like psychology and parapsychology. I can't help it. That was always just something I was interested in after I died. And I kept dying, and I wanted to know why, and I kept coming back. So that's not UFOs, but that's you know, uh, neuroscience, but uh, in parapsychology, the Russians were interested in psi phenomena, so I have phenomenology, but uh, now, one of my groups here that I have never had a meeting yet is uh, Metaphysics monthly meeting, but I pay 25 a month for a meetup group, and they do a really good job of marketing, and then we have one in Albuquerque. New Mexico with Dr. Ken Johnston and a lady. Anyway, there's several people that do. Uh, do you know Richard Smith in Albuquerque? Richard's taken over the Albuquerque UFO business, but I think he does it. He doesn't call it UFO, though. He calls it conscious consciousness, I think. Richard's and Linda Smith. Are you familiar with them?
0: No, They're I'm viewed. afraid I'm not, no.
1: All right, well, their they're event promoter over there, Richard Linda Smith, they came on this radio show. We've helped start a lot of people since we began in 2012, and uh, Lorian Fenton came on years ago before she had her first festival and event, and she got Mufon up there in Santa Clara, and she has a UFO deal annually, right? And she does a spot or did on Revolution Radio uh I think she still shows up on Mondays. I have to look, <laughs> to be honest with you. I filled in for her a couple of times when she didn't show up with a mad painter. So, uh, well, you're doing your part, but she said you're going to stay in UFOs and the trains and the canals have taken a back seat. Well, in the ACO club, I can list your interests just like social media does free. But we, you know, I don't want to pay for everybody's stuff, but. We can pay for just putting your uh, ACO Club uh, links and bios up there, your bio and your face and your links. And then uh, we're going to have oral reports, and I'll put uh, this one. Uh, and I can go back and grab your books, oral reports, and put on your page. That'll be an ACO Club app. So write that down, and I'll put under your professional association. ACO Association for Allied Command Org, but I can also, i see if there's a place to list. It's a directory and I'll see if I can list UFO Association as separate. Now, in this club, if they join general membership and they want in both directories, if they pay the general member, we don't care, we can put them, but if they're just paying my Patreon $1 or $2 a month, they just get their name and their link Uh to help run this company uh, or this community or whatever they call it these days in social media. I don't know with all the free ones. Let me see who this is. This may be Tommy, let me see. Somebody called in at the last minute. Is that you, Tommy? Hello? Somebody just tuned in, but I can't hear him. That may be Tommy, but you're live and on the air, whoever you are. Ah, uh, it's me, Tommy.
0: Who? It's me, Ronnie. Can you hear me?
1: Oh, Ronnie Dawson.
0: How y'all doing?
1: Hey, this is Ronnie
0: Dawson down in Texas.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're in our club, right?
0: Yeah. How are you doing?
1: Oh, okay. Uh, Ronnie, this is <laughs> right. Jan. Jan yeah, is I heard, the heard original. You guys talking to you. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, Lonnie Dawson uh, registered under Patreon. Jan. And he has a page on ACO, and uh, he can help us decide too, Jan, at all the whether we put them both in UFO or. But Lonnie, you're you're uh, new at his, history, right? You're in the uh, with Doctor Bruce in in Texas branch, right? I I guess I'm not really sure. I'll just join this thing so. All right, well this I is think Jan I am Aldrich. with Dr. Bruce, I believe. Jan, this is uh is it Lonnie or Ronnie? Ronnie, isn't it? Yeah, Ronnie with the R. A... Okay, right. Ronnie, this is Jan. He's our original uh director like uh Dr. Bruce McAbee used to be and and then we got your friend uh you've met. Now, Jan, uh Ronnie met Dr. Bruce. We were just talking about in El Paso at a UAP meeting they have there. Okay. And he's agreed to help us. He's a truck driver, but he, uh, he does, he's been to a couple of events. He's been to Roswell. So, uh, Ronnie, uh, I guess we'd like to have an annual event. So you two can meet and, uh, we'll talk about that more next week, but, uh, uh Ronnie, uh we'll do another show uh this week, but we do Fridays. Can you make Friday or not?
0: Ah, uh, i we're during the day, so we'll be late
1: in the afternoon, yeah. Oh, okay. So it would have to, have to be late seven, in. The afternoon. It was 7 to 9 is central is and you're on uh mountain, aren't you? Mountain time. Uh El Paso is mountain, right? Well, we'll work it out. Jan, you can't do nights, can you? Yeah. You have to do that. I think Jan, no, you have to do I'm days, don't you? Oh, you're uh, okay.
0: No, no, I don't. It doesn't matter.
1: Okay, well let's meet Friday 7 to 9 and can you make it Friday, Ronnie? We'll continue this, folks. Uh, I, I can't. You want me to try to get in touch with you Friday or Saturday, Ronnie? I'm having trouble hearing yeah. you.
0: Yeah, maybe it's like when we first uh, tried to... Uh,
1: yes, I believe I can. Yeah, get started.
0: Okay, sounds... Yeah.
1: Okay, well, Jan, uh, Ronnie, just call me or email me, and uh, we'll <laughs> record right here with Jan... But let's try to get Friday nights go uh, is Friday or Saturday better for you, Jan? We got
0: some Friday, fun. Friday.
1: Okay, let's keep with is seven to nine okay, Jan, for a, a evening? That's eight yeah, to but, ten. But years. whose
0: time zone?
1: Uh, it'd be eight East. to ten yours. Eight to ten Eastern.
0: Eight to ten Friday. Eastern, okay. Yeah. You'll
1: be competing. Friday with Richard Dolan. You think he does Friday
0: 8 to 10? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, don't, I don't mind that.
1: Richard don't care. <laughs> All right, Ronnie, we'll get you going Friday with Jan, on, and then we'll talk UFOs then, okay? All right,
0: sounds good. Thank you. Okay, All right. see you then.
1: Okay, Jan, thank you, everybody. We'll be back night. Friday, Friday night with Ronnie Dawson and Jan Aldrich for our ACO club. But we're branching off and having some UFO talk, too, and now we've got the intern group. So we're getting it all together, folks, and we'll help each other. All right, Jan, we'll see you Friday, and then we'll be back here, folks, Tuesday for the day show, 3 to 5, Friday, 7 to 9. All right, Jan, okay. thank you. Thanks a lot. We'll get it going, folks. It'll just take You're a at ACO
0: Radio, American right. Communications Online, thank or any you. affiliated station. Or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only.